Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. And I can say Try to 
Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast that was witnessed by our featured band of the week, Year Love. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys doing today? Hi, Nicole and Greg. <laughs> hey, Carl. Well, we wanted, hey, Greg. We wanted to start on a little bit of a somber note tonight, Greg, don't we? Just to, well, so there was a couple I, things know, that I happened. I, I guess it's kind of somber. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly um, grieving the loss of a friend. His name was Brenton Roberts. Uh, and then subsequently, several years later, uh, it's one of the few times it's happened in my life where I'm friends with someone, I work with someone, and they inform me they've undergone a name change. Evidently, the story as I heard it was that Brenton who was always a very forward-thinking, very spiritual, very um, kind of a seeking, mindful person, I think went through some kind of a spiritual conversion that had to do with some Aboriginal stuff. Uh, Brenton was a native of um, Australia, and uh, he was bestowed the name Washantara. Uh, In the 90s, he created a very unique, very interesting kind of uh, group therapy type session for men in Australia. I think he actually created it or co-founded it in Nashville, but it was called Circle of Men. And I know that Australian men of a certain age, I guess, are considered to be fairly stoic, and they really didn't have a lot of resources available to them as far as mental health was concerned. So the, I know that this circle of men thing caught on and it was really considered to be very valuable work for uh, the elderly in Australia. Brenton was a wonderful guy. I signed him as a songwriter to the performing rights organization that I worked for. And we tried years and years and years to actually promote his work as a songwriter and get him some outside cuts That didn't work out, and I was always kind of disappointed because he was such an incredible guy that I wanted the world to know him. I wanted wanted him to have a certain amount of entertainment industry success as far as songwriting was concerned so that more people could get to know him and and uh, experience him. He was he was a real character and a really great guy. If you're interested in his music, go to Washantara, W-A-S-H-U-N-T-A-R-A dot com. We'll put the link up on the mm-hmm. yeah. We'll on we the can show put notes. we can put the link up, and uh, some of his music is up there. He was just the kind of guy that music just flowed from him, poetry flowed from him. He was the kind of guy that. That just happened to him the on a daily basis. The antithesis of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's basically the antithesis with Carl. That's correct. So. Artist, right? Artist and being supported by other artists, and it's kind of our theme this week. That's our yeah. theme. Yep. Is that is is, is it if theme lucky, or topic? If we're, if, I mean, I guess it's a topic, not necessarily a theme, but if we're lucky, we'll get you know in, in support of all that we try to do. We'll get a Carl's rule. Oh, I don't know, so but funny. as far as being supported, the question, uh oh, the question of the question <laughs> of the week. This week, the, and we have a few people who answered it. The question was as an artist, do you feel supported in your career? And if so, how and by who? I never felt like I had that support as an artist, you know? I never had that mentor, you know? Never had that that person. It really kind of, I thought, really believed in me in any kind of. Well, you did, Greg. You, you, well, you but, were yeah, but there's only so much I could do, right? I mean, right. you need that person. You need that person stationed in in several places and in several time frames 
throughout your career. You know, you need well, like to- what it is. I, I love I love um, biographies. And one thing I did as a young kid, I always read biographies of musicians, like from you know from Frank Sinatra to to Elvis to the Beatles to Bowie to Springsteen to Billy Joe. I've read a million biographies: The Who, The Doors. You know, and one thing all these acts had in common, I read. They always had one guy in their corner who was supporting them and pushing them, you know? There's a great story about you too. Paul Guinness was this, was their manager in Dublin. He was a little bit older and he really believed in these guys. And he said, you know, he mortgaged his house, took a second mortgage on his house to bring them to America. And supposedly his wife said to him, like, Paul, what are you doing? I know you like these kids, but this is our home. <laughs> you know, you're taking a risk here with our home. You yeah. know, like, and he goes, no, man, I got to do it. These kids are going to do it. And- I guess she's happy he did do it because they became you too. And like, you know, he's worth a half a billion dollars. But that, that's the kind of belief, you know, that artists need. Like we talked about this last week, I think. It's total self-doubt because you never know if you're doing anything that's worthwhile. You, you never know. Is that any good? Is this stupid? Do, do, do I really sound good? You know, who wants to hear this? You know, like, I'm sorry. You know, they, any so many artists I know, that's how they feel. And to kind of talk a little because I'm not an artist so like I cannot from my point of view be like oh yeah everyone needs to be supported but I was talking to Koya today actually because he's just an awesome person and he even said that as an artist like he feels like he hasn't found the team around him to to support him and get him to the place where he wants to or go the one champion just or the, the one, one champion. and the one champion and that's what he feels like he is missing out on right now and what he's searching for in order to make sure that he can get and, to that next step. And we're not career. talking about money. I'm not no, talking no, about no. financial support no, at all. No, we're it, talking about just, I love my mother dearly. She was wonderful, but she used to say to me things like, yeah, Carl, but you're not really a singer. Yeah, you play the guitar kind of nice, but you know. And then she always says funny things like, well, what about Elton John? Or he wasn't a, a singer. He just, but he sings his material. He goes, yeah, Carl, but he's famous. <laughs> he said, <laughs> right. well, but, but and, he wasn't famous until he became famous. And you, you bring up a good point because as an as a music artist, I feel like that's something that it like for people and parents and whatnot, it's like a nice hobby growing up. But unless like you truly have someone like Taylor Swift's mom or whatnot that really supports you and like takes you to that next level, it can almost be a disappointment when parents hear from their children like, oh, they're going to pursue something that I don't 100% believe in. And that can be super self-doubting and super disheartening for someone who really just wants to be supported and see success in something that they're very passionate about and potentially also talented with. How my career kind of started. So through high school, I'm in band through high school, love it. You know, senior year high school, freshman year college, you're old enough to play bars. So we started playing bars. For a while, we played the copy band stuff and made money. But then I said, you know, I don't want to be playing Zeppelin when I'm 50 or, or David Bowie. I want to play my own stuff. I want to write songs. So I started writing songs. No one wants to hear it. No one wants you in their band because Carl, no one wants to hear those songs. I said, yeah, but. This is what I want to do. So you have to find a new kind of people. And then also a lot of my friends from high school and college who were like into this, it fell away and they got real jobs and they went to like law school or whatever. I got even deeper into it. Now I'm like 19, 20 and everyone else is like, you know, quitting their hobby of it. But I'm like, no, this is what I want to do. This is it. You know, so I started going into the city and then you got to find a whole new group of friends, you know, who like, who, who are into it now at that age, you know, so. I don't know if that's it's like a, that's that now. A, that's really kind of a defining moment, though. The idea that, you know, it may have occurred to you or or you may have thought that it was hap- happening gradually. But in actuality, you know, it takes 
you know, uh, a few years to do this or that or the other, or, you know, six years to uh, move up the corporate ladder after you've gotten your bachelor's degree, whatever the case may be. But it was really kind of a defining moment for you to say, no, I'm doubling down on this. I'm actually going to do this. And you know, it's you know, it's funny too. Now that it's bringing up all these memories. So when you're writing songs, and I still I love having the TV on without sound. I like to have the visual of something to look at. So I'd basically be sitting in my room with the TV on, just holding a guitar with a pad next to me, basically doodling around, doing nothing. <laughs> so when my mother would look in, she goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm I'm working." It looks like you're doing nothing. You watch the TV to sit there with, you know, she couldn't figure, like, she didn't see what I was doing. Like, I would spend hours, you know, I don't know if you know, you know this, Greg. It's something that could take, like, three hours to get that next line that's right. And then it comes out, and you go, yeah. And you think you did something. You have a beer. And you wrote, you wrote like, two sentences. But, that, <laughs> but that's how it was for me. And, like, unless you're a songwriter or an artist, no one gets that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, um, you know, part of this question the interesting part to me is that particularly in Nashville with all the co-writing that goes on, it kind of feels like a team sport, you know? And I think that a lot of writers and a lot of artists for that matter would identify with having other artists being super supportive and other songwriters being super supportive. You know, I, I never really saw much of that. I mean, I, that might be something that you just that's intimate and you have to experience it if you're co-writing or if you are, well, that's you know, label mates with someone. That's right. what bands are for. The bands are great that way because you sit in a room with four of the musicians and you have the same goal. And that was kind of cool. I still love that. And you felt supported, right. Well, yeah, yeah because you'd, you'd like, I don't know, you you do the one line, yeah, that's good. Then the bass player will do this. He goes, right, right, that's good. Let's go there. What about this? And then you just, and you build this thing and it becomes something. And that was kind of good support. I you like know, that. But- they, you know, for many years, uh, the executives in Nashville, the little thing that got talked about by the water coolers was the idea that what country music needed was they needed a Fleetwood Mac, right? And, I don't know what that means, but well, uh, they basically wanted an act that could be like Fleetwood Mac and sell, you know, a zillion records and have all this interplay between the members, but have it be country. And it was like, they discovered pretty quickly over the course of a few years that that's very, very difficult to create. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, and and I think the other thing is that it was very difficult to like put together from a corporate perspective because people would have to sign on to sleeping with one another. And, you know, but that's that's when it gets ruined. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever the people with money, hey, I have an idea, let's do this. (laughs) Then 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 you know it's going to be messed up, you know. As far as back as I know from the well from the sixties after the Beatles, if you were played the guitar and you lived in England, you got a record deal, you know. <laughs> and, and in the nineties, if you were in a grunge band, no matter how bad you were, after Nirvana, you got a record and you deal. Own, yeah, you owned yeah. a flannel yeah, and shirt. The same, and yeah, the same right, thing right. with you know, so it all over. And that's what they do. They just follow the leader. If you were a folk singer in sixty one, and you know, playing the village in New York. You got a deal. You know, what the hell? Because that's what they do. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. And then they ruin it. I'm actually glad. I was thinking about it today. I'm actually glad that a lot of the trappings of the music industry that we've had to deal with and circumnavigate for the last 20 years or 30 years, a lot of that stuff has gone away. It literally doesn't exist anymore. 
You know, I mean, the idea that you're going to sell a million records next year, if you just get into the studio and you just make the perfect record and you find $50,000 to throw at radio to get your single on the radio, the idea that you're going to approach the industry that way, that absolutely does not exist anymore. So I went on Clubhouse last night just to just to hear a couple of things. And I'm listening. And basically, it was just, a, again, a bunch of like people with credentials, supposedly by their, you read their bio, they have jobs at places that we've heard of. But they're just pontificating idiots. I'm well, sorry. They're, and they weren't they, even giving. And they weren't giving any information. They're basically mm-hmm. boasting their own, their own, what, oh, what I was, her. Like, and they, shut they up. Were, they were boasting and talking in circles and also talking out of their butts right because like, you know, they weren't even giving information on like who they worked with or like what they were actually able to do it was just oh uh-oh. i got oh is there a rule coming no more labels I, and labels i love the just fact that them. i bring out the rules and carl <laughs> They're, they're 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 ridiculous. I'm you know you look at the music industry since like the fifties, and I'm surprised any records got made. Anybody good ever came out? They're in the way. They're like bad high school teachers. Yeah, you know but I mean? they they're the ones with the portfolio, I, the I like uh, that. rolodex that like people that. tend and the money that people tend to like. And then you know it's funny too. There's so many of these guys that were like these big A&R execs back in the 80s and 90s when I was doing it. And now they're all these losers with these websites and consultancies. And they can't get themselves arrested. <laughs> they were in the chair, so to speak. Right. right? Now, like, they can't even get arrested. Now you can probably get them to, like, you know, walk your dog if you want, you know? <laughs> well, and I guess it kind of brings it back to our topic this week of feeling supported but like with labels when you're making money for them you probably feel supported but when you're not you you get dropped or you get put on the back burner so there was this great guy who, who i worked with years and years ago one of the best guys I've ever met his name is doug thaler he worked for um doc mcgee he signed acdc he was actually in the motley crew movie you know that somebody played him he has to do with them but he told me a long time ago listen man if someone wants to sign you, there's two ways they'll sign you. There's the guy who's going to think he can sell you and the guy who believes in you. He goes, no matter what the deal is, I don't care how much better the guy who thinks he can sell you the deal is, always go with the guy who believes in you because that's the one that's going to go the extra mile because they inevitably want to go south or it doesn't really work out the way they, and you're not making the money like you were saying, they're going to drop you. They don't care. You know, there's no loyalty in this business. You know, you're only as good as your last record or your last movie or your last so the ability to actually make money you know for most folks has been kind of extracted from the equation so we have to discover why it is we're continuing to do it why why do people continue to you know go to a music center and buy a $1500 guitar i mean why do people take drum lessons why do people watch the um, you know the the voice you know, Everybody we've already established on this on, on this podcast, one of the things I'm most proud of is we've already established the idea that there are no more rock stars. We're done. But that they don't believe that. Anymore. They don't believe they that. Don't believe we need to know that. We're trying to educate people. On that. But there's always going to be the next, you know, I don't know. I just wanted to bring this up. I've seen three articles this week about bringing back the CD. Really? And I wanted to get your opinion of that. Yeah. I think that's great if you could find a CD player. 
I mean, well, that's the, that's what? the issue. Like, it's, well, you know, it's kind of intriguing to me. I'm sorry. I mean, I realize you got to bring something back. Bring back the, the, the vinyl, then. It's, it's well, cool. I mean, vinyl and, came back to some degree, but you know, it's thirty bucks for an album. I think, but I bring think back that's the eight track. But bring I think, back the eight track. I think vinyl's a better <laughs> vinyl's a better investment than a CD because at least well, people have to go out and buy one thing and then the vinyls for it. The CD. I don't know is, if it's just magical thinking. I don't know if it's I think just, just me making it up. I didn't read wishing things were the way they used to be, but I just think the idea that an artist could actually control the selling of a physical piece of product that they had margin in, I just think it would be incredible if it could come back, right? You know what? Let's push that. You know what? Let's push the cassette and the Walkman. Let's bring that back. (laughs) So we got three people. Our question was, as an old, the question of the week. As an artist, do you feel supported in your career? And if so, how and by who? So we had three people answer. Are they all artists? <laughs> They're all artists, yep. So let's start with Andrew Beam. See what Andrew had to say, okay? This is Andrew. Hey, all. This is Andrew Beam. It's been a tough year for everybody in the music industry, and I, but I feel so much support in the midst of it, especially from our fans who really become family, whether it's on streaming platforms, social media, shout-outs, or just even around town. I think everybody's ready for shows to come back. also have to give a huge shout-out to our sponsors for the support every day. From Budweiser, Local Boy Outfitters, AOPI Prosthetics, Charleston Concrete, Pullman of 4x4, and Rigged Up Motorsports. Looking forward to a great 2021. He's taking it more from like financially support. <laughs> I could see from the financial support, but he at least included the fans, which don't necessarily have to support him financially. They just maybe follow him on right. social media. But So do I detect uh, a little uh, NASCAR vibe there? Because he mentioned two things. One, fans as family. And then he mentioned some motorsports, so uh, he might be he, he might be doing Andrew. absolutely the right thing. The next guy, Stephen Cade. Mm-hmm. Do we know Stephen? Uh, yes, I know Stephen. He just released his latest single, Pinky Promise. And I found it just scrolling one day because it's a picture of him and his daughter. And it was it was intriguing to me, so I listened to it. And it's got like a Brad He's- Paisley vibe to it. Let's hear what Stephen had to say. Hey, 9420, I certainly do feel supported in my career by number one, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and also my lovely wife and family. This is Stephen Cade. Short and sweet. More concise, but and more closer to what I was going for. Yeah. More like, you know, less financial, but more like the emotional support well, of being an artist. He also brings in the faith aspect too, so. Yeah, but what I'm saying, but more like that emotional support, like, you know, when, because like I said, being an artist, in my opinion, is basically, you're just, you're just totally full of doubt. So, you know, when in doubt, you need that emotional support. Well, I guess if Budweiser is giving you a million dollars, who cares how much self-doubt you yeah. got? You're doing okay. <laughs> but um, we have one more answer from a guy named Don Pedigo. Pet- Don Pedigo. Okay, let's see what Don had to say. All, all men this week. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do feel supported in my career. Um, I would say most of the support comes right in my home from my wife. I can tell without her saying anything if my newest song stinks or just the subtleties. And I appreciate that kind of honesty. And I also get that from my publishers, whom I've been with now for 15 or 16 years. I sometimes wonder if it's considered part of their job to call and make sure I'm built up. But aside from any ego, it's great to have the trusting support from those that are close 
to us, you know, in at home and in the business to keep us going and to keep us at our best. Because once that doubt seeps in, well, then you're not being very productive. Again, he more about what I kind of what I was thinking, more the emotional support. Yeah, I, liked, brings, I, I liked his he answer brings up though, an interesting what? point for me. I liked his voice. Yeah, he, he has a good way. Whatever he said sounds good because he spoke nice. He, he brings up an interesting point for me, which is um, family support. Because I mean, I have to be honest. In my experience, I think family support is rare. You know, you always hear about somebody that said, "You know what." You know, somebody like your mom is like, you know, you're not famous. This ain't going to work, you know, or you hear, you know, you really need to have something to fall back on. You really need to go get an accounting degree. You know, you can try to be a rock star, but you really ought to have a college education that you can fall back on. No, I just heard something kind of similar about I was listening to Howard Stern today and George Clooney was on, right? And the reason why he got in the show business is because his aunt was Rosemary Clooney. Yeah. yeah. And uh, his cousin was this guy, Miguel Ferraro, who was an actor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, George Clooney was just a guy like hanging out in Kentucky doing nothing. And I Miguel wonder if says, he was George- watching Earl Gregory as well. Maybe. <laughs> I'm might sure. Have, that, might have been. Yeah, Rosemary and, 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 and Earl and used to hang said, out. Hey, hey, because you're like a few years old. He goes, George, why don't you come out to L.A., spend a couple of weeks and maybe try acting? And he goes, that sounds like fun. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> so he tells his dad he's going to Hollywood to try acting. He goes, George, come on. You know, a million guys go there every week. What the odds are on you getting anywhere is like minuscule. It's yep. stupid. You know, you're wasting yep. your time. His father told him he's wasting his time. And then obviously he, he goes and like becomes George Clooney, which is like he's at the pinnacle of the stardom and stuff. But And you know, parents get a bad rap because parents are typically parents are coming from a place of love and they just yeah, don't, they, they, want, they, be happy. They don't want to see the heartache. You know, they don't want to see you going through, you know, that period where you're, you know, living on peanut butter and trying to make the rent and blah, blah, blah. Let's wrap it up and get out of this. All right, everyone. But to wrap this up, for everyone who has made it through this episode, you can go to our website for the links to everything that we've talked about in this episode. The website is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. And we will have your Leave a comment, man. If you like our podcast, comment. And subscribe. And subscribe, you know, participate. What are you guys doing out there? Yeah, we're, we're currently uh, we're currently having conversations all week long about something called podcast analytics, uh, <laughs> and w- there'll be rants coming in the future episodes. Uh, also, look for our look look for our um, anybody out there with music and stuff or music supervisors. Look for our. Uh, what is it, our room on our Clubhouse? Room, our room on Clubhouse. I will include a clubhouse room. that link. We will be going live every week well, at some point. A clubhouse room. <laughs> All right, everyone. More give, babbling. Give your love. <laughs> Here is your love with thinking of you, and we will talk to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye.
keep on dreading the day Until I see your eyes I see your eyes Thinking of